Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into the All Sooners post-game podcast, episode 206. It should be 207, but somebody got sick last week. I sh- sh- not last week. Somebody's sick right now, but, but I'm powering through. Guys, I told Randall coming up here, I slept like 40 out of 48 hours on Wednesday and Thursday. I got something. It's mostly gone now. Still got some stuff in my head, but man, I'm just telling you. You do not want to be sick on a game week. However, here I am in the TU press box at H.A. Chapman Stadium. I was not going to break my streak. This is my, did I say 60th? No, 50th game in a row? I was going to say, you did this to yourself. I know. All this street talk. All this street talk. Disaster. I immediately, I woke up and I was like, I'm going to break my streak because I talked about it. I shouldn't ever talk about a streak. Anyway, 50 whatever consecutive games, uh, 234 in my career. Anyway, it's a lot of fun being here. Even when the score is 66 to 17, it's a lot of fun for us to be here. Guys, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, If we talked about every point, we'd be here for an hour, so let's not do that. Let's just talk about some performances. Defense had five interceptions. Five. What? What did I just say? Five picks. (laughs) It's, uh, we said this on the post-game wrap, guys. Last year, 1998 was evoked a ton. We've been all over the place through the first couple of games. We had to go back to what, 1917 for the opener. That's right. We went to 2003 today against Texas Tech. That's the last time Oklahoma had five picks in a game. We're gonna talk about something else. We're gonna go back to 2012. We're gonna go to 2000 with Nick Anderson and Curtis Fagan. How are those guys connected? We'll dive into all of that. Uh, but the biggest winner in all of this is A, Gentry Williams for winning the toss in his hometown, and B, <laughs> everyone has forgotten that Julio Farouk just absolutely coughed up the opening kickoff. Yeah, what a what a bounce back by him. He had well over 200 all-purpose yards. Brent Venable said something about he's the first player in a long time or 100 years or school history or something to have 100 kickoffs and 100 receiving. I don't think that's right, but maybe I, I have to look at the notes which I have behind me, and I'll do that when Randall starts telling telling you guys about how the offense performed today. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, like, like we've mentioned, as, as soon as the offense got back on the field after that original uh, coughed, coughed up uh, opening kickoff from Jalo Farouk, they picked up right where they left off against Arkansas State and in the fourth quarter against SMU where they were able to move the ball almost at will. I mean, we've seen, uh, I, I think all three weeks, Oklahoma really likes to open the game with one of these deep shots out to Andrell Anthony. Uh, it seems like him and Dylan Gabriel have a great connection. He went over 100 yards again today. And I mean, from there, it seemed like uh, Tulsa really could do nothing to stop Oklahoma's offense. I mean, Dylan Gabriel was sharp, over 420 yards, only through three incompletions, more touchdown passes than incompletions. He did have an interception uh, where he got planted in that one, but all around uh, the passing game looked phenomenal. The running game, a little bit slow today, but again, why uh, why lean really heavily on that when you know, you're just throwing the ball at will, when these receivers are making almost every play you, uh, you put up for them. Um, so again, Oklahoma's rushing offense didn't look great, which is kind of similar to what we've seen the first two weeks of the season, but good enough to get the job done. Still saw some of those uh, running backs get in, make some plays, score touchdowns. Javante Barnes kind of uh, came out of witness protection yeah. this week, um, which ended up actually putting Tawi Walker on the bench, which was, which was interesting. Okay, here's the Jalil Farouk note. This is from the, um, this is from the Mike Houck official OU game notes. First Sooner with at least 100 receiving yards and 100 kickoff return yards in the same game. That's stunning. You think about Ryan Broyles, you think about 
uh, DeMarco Murray had a 100-yard receiving game or two as a running back, right? Uh, you think about all the players that have been through here. Uh, Buster Rhymes going way back, right? I mean, there's been a million players come through here who could have that statistic. And Jalil Farouk's the first, so holy crap. Well, it, it's an incredible statistic and an incredible performance. I'll take anything away from it, but Wishbone meant not a lot of receiving yards happening, and Lincoln Riley didn't do special teams. I so, said Buster Rhymes. <laughs> you had a very narrow <laughs> period there in the middle where they were doing both throwing the football and the special teams. No, I'm point. kidding. It, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal performance from Shiloh Farouk, and uh, Mike Houck and, and the Oklahoma media team has had a ton, yeah. a ton of diving through the history books and trying to figure things out as the Sooners, you mentioned in the postgame rap, who this doesn't mean that Oklahoma is suddenly a college football playoff contender. It doesn't mean that they'll be in Arlington. But Oklahoma has played three FBS teams. They have absolutely embarrassed two of them. Mm -hmm. And then the other one, uh, while it was hinky and it was 14-11 to 11 in the fourth quarter, I, I don't think any of us ever thought Oklahoma was in danger of losing that SMU game, especially the way they responded immediately after the, the one touchdown drive from the Mustangs last Saturday. SMU wins today. They scored, what, 69? Yep. Uh, Arkansas State won today. They won big. 31 to 7. 31-7. So the teams that Oklahoma has played and beaten are kind of bouncing back. So that tells you something. You look ahead, Cincinnati. Maybe we should push this to the end, but I just it's in my head right now, so it's got to come out. It's the way my mouth works. Uh, but you look ahead to next week, Cincinnati, 11 a.m., Nippert Stadium. We're gonna be there. All three of us are gonna be there. We've got our flights arranged, the hotels are set, bags are not packed yet, but Cincinnati lost today. They didn't hold up their end. Yeah, it, I was going to say, noon for us, 11 That's for right. everybody probably That's watching right. this, or most people watching this because we'll be on site. But, yeah, Cincinnati, they've got a great defensive line. We'll preview it middle of the, the week. But Miami of Ohio still put 24 points up on the board in regulation, a touchdown in overtime. Um, Oklahoma's run woes today were more schematic, yeah. a.k.a. Tulsa's secondary not good, just throw the ball all over the yard than I think actual running woes. But it should be a good test for offensive line next week. I'm not sure much else is going to be tested, though, in Cincinnati. Yeah, it makes you wonder. I think, I think originally we thought that um, Emory Jones as a mobile quarterback might be able to kind of mm -hmm. threaten the Oklahoma defense, especially after watching what Cardell Williams was able to do in his first few drives today. But, again, seeing how you know Emory Jones in that offense performed today against a team like Miami of Ohio, uh, it, it kind of takes off some of the shine of that, of, of, um, of what we thought about them heading into today. I thought Cardell Williams for Tulsa today was a real shot in the arm. Uh, Braylon Braxton apparently is too injured to play. Cardell Williams apparently is not too injured to play. He was the backup today. Uh, Roman Fuller comes in, throws three interceptions in the first quarter. Sooners are up 28 zip after one quarter. They bring in Cardell, and Cardell leads them. They outscore him 14-10. Tulsa outscored OU 14-10 in the, in the second quarter. And, uh, and what happens from it, he comes out in the third quarter, leads him down the field again, gets down to the goal line, drives stalls, they kick a field goal. Brent Venables said from that point on, they kind of stayed in their rush lanes better. They, they uh, clogged the, the, you know, the, the run fits were better. Everything was better because guys were, I don't know why. Um, you get a mobile quarterback and you think it's, it's uh, four alarm fire and all hands on deck. But what the way Brent said was it kind of got everybody, and I don't know, they made some calls on the sideline. Ted Roof from the coach's box. They made some calls, made some changes, made some tweaks and adjustments, and from that point on, they shut Tulsa down. We haven't done a lot of this conversation I'm about to have this year because it's been mostly great performance, now let's nitpick. 
There was absolutely a blown coverage by Macari Vickers on Williams' yep. first touchdown true pass. True freshman Macari yes. Vickers. True freshman Macari Vickers. It was an interesting time to roll a couple of true freshmen. I was going to say, Reggie Johnson was in the game yeah. at that point, too. Reggie Pearson got absolutely torched on a double move. Not a wheel route, a double move. Mm -hmm. Those of you that play football. Um, and, and that was something that I think Reggie Pearson just mentally went to sleep and was like, I'm going to lay the wood on somebody on fourth down. Yeah. But those two of those three scoring drives that Williams had, like you guys mentioned, it was a lot of backups because the game was already out of hand. And not just backups, but Macari Vickers and Jacoby Johnson, that's not the second string guys. So, yes, I, I understand that Brett Venables and Brett Venables will always tell you that there's a ton to clean up and things like that. And, and the rush lanes, that's the rotation of the guys that have been playing a ton. But the secondary, the busts, guys moving around to some different spots there. And, and while it's not excusable, um, in Cincinnati, Gentry Williams, Kenai Walker, Woody Washington, those will be the guys on the field probably not having a Corey Vickers bust. It was, a, it was an interesting time to put your freshman corners out there and your backups. And uh, to be fair, this thing was, you know, without the fumble on the kickoff return, who knows what it would have been, but could have been 35-0 in the first quarter. I guess where I'm going with this is the, the, the guys who are out there are like, this is too easy. This is here we go, 73 nothing again. You know, this is Arkansas State all over again. Maybe there's a little bit of distraction by the starters and, and the Reggie Pearson bust. And then the freshmen are thrown out there. All right, you guys, we're in good shape. Let's let's get the freshmen out there and see what they can do. Uh they get all wide-eyed and they, you know, don't know what's going on. The Macari Vickers was just, I mean, it was a simple. He looked him off, pump faked one way, and threw it right at him, and he was he was nowhere near the ball. After the game, Venables just like it's cover two. Yeah. Figures wasn't playing cover two. Simple as that. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about uh, Drake Stoops today? Led the team in, with eight receptions. Led the team in catches. Went over a thousand career yards. So congratulations to him for that. And all he did was catch two touchdowns in the first half. Great day. I think that Drake Stoops today, what we saw out of him is really uh, when Drake Stoops is at his best, what you can get from him. I think he served as a great complimentary wide receiver, you know, really attacking the more the underneath and the shorter routes while you have guys like Jaden Gibson, guys like Andrell Anthony, guys like Nick Anderson who are really attacking deep downfield. And when Tulsa's going to sell out to stop those guys because Nick Anderson has three touchdowns, because Andrell Anthony is catching bombs on the first play of the game, it's going to leave plays open for Drake Stoops underneath where, you know, uh, also, I mean, these schemed plays where they're rolling DG out towards Drake. I mean, that that worked to perfection today. I think that's how they got both of those Drake Stoops touchdowns. At least one of them was mm -hmm. uh, DG rolling rolling out right to yeah. him. Uh, and that that really um, short yardage slot receiver stereotype. Uh, he Drake Stoops really fits that mold perfectly of the yeah. great hands toughness and uh, you know doing all the little things right uh, it might, might not have been the most flashy performance like a Nick Anderson like a Jaleel Farouk but mm -hmm. it was really important it got the hard yards and still came out with two touchdowns 94 career catches 1,000 career yards that tells you it's the ultimate res uh, possession receiver yeah. 10 yards a catch baby 10 yep. yards a catch. just move the chains and, and, and his numbers last year I think reflect that too yep absolutely career numbers as well we talked about Stoops we talked about Farouk let's talk about the let, star of the game let's, the most important thing 38 more receptions for Austin Stogner. And 38. There. <laughs> Got 38 to go and only nine games to get there. Uh, One that, more catch for Austin Stogner. They've got 10 games. This team's going bowling. Okay, yeah, they're going bowling. <laughs> At least. <laughs> they're going to go bowl. Have you seen the Big 12? This team's going bowling. <laughs> Nick Anderson, I'm sorry to draw the comparison, but there were times that there were three catches, three touchdowns. You guys mentioned it in the postgame. 
He looked like Randy Moss going up, getting the ball, and still moving in, moving in the direction of the end zone, like you ain't gonna stop me. And I asked him about that. I asked him specifically about putting on muscle, adding strength, yeah. and the sacrifice, and the, the power, and the, the off season, and the summer, and the heat, and the Jerry Schmidt, he said. Jerry Schmidt is what did this. So he, he like, one of his uh, post-game high fives, or post-touchdown high five celebrations was to Jerry Schmidt, because he's like, coach, thank you for helping me get this way. Dude was running through tackles. Yeah. Going up and getting the ball, running away from people, and then running through tackles. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I feel like because he was, or he is Rodney Anderson's little brother. Yeah. When he, considering going to Oregon, comes to Oklahoma, I think he kind of went under the radar a little bit. Because everyone's like, yeah, of course, it's Rodney Anderson's little brother. Mm -hmm. Sick. Go on. You saw today why he has been raved about. We had heard through the scrimmages that he was yes. fantastic, especially as they get into full contact. And uh, on two of those three touchdowns, the first one, uh, not really a contested or anything. Dylan Gabriel finds him wide open, but he put on a good move to get behind the, the defense. And by the time the defender had caught up, he was pretty much in the end zone. Mm -hmm. But uh, the second one, he catches it at about the 25 yard line, spins outside evades one tackler, has to keep his balance along the sideline, and then Tip basically toe. has to high step his way in to avoid a, a diving guy for the second tackler. Then straight up the Jack Stone with 50 yard bomb, which it was nice to see one receiver actually led <laughs> as opposed to having to wait for the football. Ryan grades on a hard curve. Well, <laughs> Texas's defense ain't Tulsa, sorry guys. Uh, that's look at the future. That's either here nor there. But because he was led, instead of getting tackled, he was able to power through a tackle. Yeah. And you saw that playing through that contact on two of the three touchdowns. And hey, like I said, we're going to go to Curtis Fagan now. 2000 Baylor. Curtis Fagan's the only other wide receiver at Oklahoma to catch three touchdowns on exactly three receptions. Mm. That's exactly what Nick Anderson did today as he became the first OU freshman ever to catch three touchdown passes. And oh, I was just, just going to say, being down there on the, <coughs> on the field, getting to see Nick Anderson, you really see how big he is. And, and like, like Ryan mentioned, when, when guys are trying to arm tackle him at the 25 when he's making that second catch, it's not you're, a defensive back is not going to arm tackle Nick Anderson, I promise. Yeah. That kid is big, and when, when he's out there next to Jaden Gibson, those are both really tall, long, big-bodied receivers. You can really see the difference in the body. Body, sty body style, even though Jaden Gibson's 6'5", 6'6", Nick Anderson's around the same height at 6'4", Nick Anderson is a lot bigger in his upper in his upper body. I mean, his his chest, his arms are a lot thicker than Jaden Gibson. That's not, I'm not uh, calling out Jaden Gibson at all. I'm just discussing. I mean, that's what makes Nick Anderson so special is that strength that he has in, a, in you know, in addition to the height and the, the ability to, you know, run after the catch, I think that that makes him, it's hard to bring down, it's hard to, you know, go up and jump with. Uh, and I think that, I think that the size really, um, obviously it, it played well for him today. Yeah. All right, Ryan, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Dylan Gabriel, 28 of 31, 421 yards, five touchdowns, was not sacked. 28 of 31, how many drops today? Uh, well, the the one pass hit Blake so. Smith right in the face. Oh, uh, oh yeah, no, that, that, that was Arnold. Was Arnold. That, was that was Arnold. Arnold. Yeah, yeah was he Arnold. had. Um, I don't think he had any drops. I think he, he, had, he, a, he had one miscommunication where I think this one we talked about last week. There were a couple of miscommunications. Was the LB Bunkley Shelton one with Gavin Freeman that Gabriel was pretty yeah. frustrated with the wide receivers. He had one today that I think he just missed it, and it was the only throw that he just missed over the middle to uh, yeah. Bunkley oh, Shelton, yeah. who might have been a touchdown. But yep. other than that, I, Gabriel was electric today. He was yeah. fantastic. He was. 
confident in throwing the ball. And that's something that I noticed a couple of weeks ago and mm -hmm. asked him about. Are you more confident this year? Oh, yeah, much more confident. He's putting the ball on time, but not necessarily on the mark. And, and that's what Ryan's talking about is he's, under, he's still underthrowing guys who are open for touchdowns or who are in space to get themselves open for touchdowns if the ball is thrown in the right area out in front of them. Uh, and then Jackson Arnold comes in, throws one pass, 50-yard touchdown. It's a perfect throw. And it's like, oh, yeah, our quarterback stinks. No, your quarterback went 28 of 31 for 421 and five touchdowns. He just doesn't throw it with as much speed and velocity and uh, distance as Jackson Arnold. I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, We're seeing a, a five-star, blue-chip, gifted quarterback and a guy who's a great college quarterback. Dylan Gabriel has completed about 82.5% of his passes this yeah, year. Yeah, crazy. And here's the difference between this year and last year. And there's a big difference, and it's huge for Oklahoma. And it's why Dylan Gabriel is not in, in danger of being Spencer Rattler. All of the underthrows we're talking about today were completions. They're yep. hitting the guys in the hands. Yep. He's given his wide receivers a chance to go and make contested plays. The difference in what we're talking about would be that Andrew Anthony, he had an incredible day. Four catches, 112 yards, biggest one, 55 yards, stretching the field, awesome. First play of the game. His first yep. play of the game should have been a touchdown. Yep. If Dylan Gabriel had just a little bit more arm strength, I think, and then the second one, I think also in the first quarter, uh, going to, is that the north end? Whatever, we're trying to the first quarter, yeah. Uh, still the first quarter, it also probably would have been. He had an awesome Jaden Gibson's one catch to him. I would have liked it to be a little bit further down the field, but on the first glance, the safety might have been over the top of it, gave Gibson a chance. Gibson caught it here. If he had caught it here, maybe he has a chance to catch and run away from one of those two guys. This is the nitpickiest of yep. nitpicking, but you saw it with Jackson Arnold. And here's why there's no quarterback controversy. Here's why Dylan Gabriel has continued to hum this offense along, because Dylan Gabriel is consistently authoritative. Yeah. He is either finding the first read immediately or going through his progressions, hitting his checkdowns. Jeff Levy loved that aspect of his mm -hmm. game today. There is no controversy. Jack Snarl going to be phenomenal of what we saw out of that Anderson play. That's just the, the difference between, like you, I think you put it perfectly, a really, really, really good college quarterback and a five-star slash, like that's why Dylan Gabriel is not going to win a Heisman this year. Yeah, I think you put it perfectly when you said, uh, Dylan Gabriel missed a little bit here and a little bit there, and then Jackson Arnold comes in and puts it right on the money for a touchdown. And that's kind of the difference. Now, Jackson's not going to be able to do that every time he comes in the game. Every time he throws a pass, you saw the, the throw to Blake Smith. It was awful. Like, dude, he's two feet from you. Yeah. Why are you bouncing it off his face yeah. mask at 75 miles an hour? So he's got some growing to do. He'll, he'll grow into that role, and he'll be, a, I predict, he'll be an All-American, certainly an All-SEC-type contender. Uh, at, at the quarterback position. Any other offense you guys want to get to? Was the offensive line mostly good today? Uh, mostly yeah, good, mostly not good. Great. The, the one, it wasn't a sack, but I think the interception, mm -hmm. I think the underthrow happened because it yeah, was not. We talked in the first game against Arkansas State where Tommy Walker missed a blitz pickup, that that should have been a touchdown to Andrew Anthony instead of a completion. Today, this is why you have to have those blitz pickups. Someone was left free. Dylan Gabriel gets absolutely obliterated, and Gavin Freeman didn't really have a chance to work back to the football. I don't put that on Gabriel or Freeman, really. That's either blitz protection or offensive line. I'll have to go back and find it. The running game, Jeff Levy talked about it after the game. He said that they would love to be balanced, but the matchups today, and this is where I'm going to talk. Jeff Levy was very polite, coach speak, no bullet to board material, very respectful. The weakness of this Tulsa defense is the secondary. They're 115th in the country. Last week, Washington threw for 454. 
anyone playing Tulsa this year is just going to say, why run the ball when it is like knife through butter through the air? And that is why the running game never really took off. And Jeff Levy said that he didn't get into a rhythm play calling. It didn't let the offensive line get into a rhythm on the ground. Why? Because they're throwing for 6,000 yards if they wanted it today. Gabriel, you can't fault his interception either. I mean, like, like Ryan said, didn't have all, all the room to throw. A little bit of it, a little bit of pressure there. And Gavin Freeman turned around and looked just a little bit after the DB, DeMarco Jones, and DeMarco Jones made a phenomenal interception, inches off the ground. Mm -hmm. That's what I saw anyway. It's what it looked like on the replay. If you guys saw something different on TV, make a comment in the comment section down below. I was, I was, the one thing I wanted to mention about the running game is I think the personnel that they're putting in the backfield is interesting. I mean, we saw Tawi Walker rip off a hundred plus yard game yeah. last week. And then today uh, he had, I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but not very many carries, if any, uh, maybe one or two. How about zero? zero yeah. I, I don't remember seeing any carries from him. It was a, uh, we saw Gavin Sawchuk a few times, but it was a lot of Javante Barnes and a few Marcus Major reps today. Uh, the, a lot of more together. Yeah. Barnes and, and yeah. Sawchuck were yeah. the, both the two backs. Oh, yeah, two, two backs, backs on either yeah. side of the quarterback. And, and and they threw some. They threw a pass on fourth down actually to Sawchuck. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a design play. It worked out really well. Um, Barnes to me, I, I didn't think he looked as fast as I remembered him looking last season. Whenever he did get out into the open field, and maybe that's just again because there wasn't a ton of open space. They weren't in the open field a ton. Um, but not again, not not many explosive runs from that group, and uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward in the season how that um, kind of continues to progress. And as much as, as Jeff Levy talked about not getting into rhythm, play calling wise, and the game plan being very pass heavy, he did say chunk plays in the run game is a huge spot where they can make a lot of room up, yeah. and that's something he wants to see. And next week they'll need to be a little bit more balanced. Mm -hmm. We mentioned Cincinnati. The, I don't think the offense, Emory Jones, is probably going to put a ton of pressure on Oklahoma, but that defensive line is legit. Yes. Like, the defensive line is not the issue for Cincinnati, and it'll be a really good test, especially because Savion Bird, we saw a little bit of rotation. Mm -hmm. It was Caden Green yes. in the game as opposed to Bird, the first guy at left guard. Troy Everett also worked in. Jacob Sexton is back. Jeff Levy said that allowed Caden Green to slide to the inside. That's mm -hmm. the spot he's going to play. Savion Burke got rolled up on on like one of the 80,000 PATs that Oklahoma had. It was in the first quarter. He went to the injury tent and then he had a towel over his head. And I I told Hoove, we've got to ask this pretty quick because the way that the towel's over his head, I can't see his reaction, but it was like head and hands yeah. the entire way back to the locker room. I was like, that's the reaction of a guy that like doesn't feel good. You know what I mean? Or got some bad news. Yeah, right. and Brent Venables after the game said he's fine. Got the question off. Yeah, he, he basically was like, he's fine. Uh, which is great. He was in street clothes by halftime and, and kind of he walked under his own power into the locker room after the game. We'll get a further update on Tuesday, but yeah, maybe. something to watch if Savion Bird's not a go. I mean, Desan McCullough was hopeful to play today and he did not even look like he was going to touch the field, so we'll see. But it might be Troy Everett and Caden Green and the offense moved when Caden Green was at left guard. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not thinking about something last year, but uh, I think we learned something about Brett Medibles today. He does not like talking about certain injuries. How Savion Bird is good. Good. Uh, it looked like he got hurt. Well, that was it. That was his answer. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay. I guess we're done talking about that. Yeah, if he's uh, on in street clothes in the second half, not coming back in the game, um, there's something going on there, obviously. But like. Like Ryan said, the offensive line may have found some kind of combination with Caden Green. Freshman. 
And, and Troy Everett, like 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 Ryan said, was was working in after Caden Green at that left guard spot. He also came in as the second center. Um, so you know, Troy Everett played fine, showed that that versatility. But like you guys mentioned, Caden Green, his impact was noticeable. I mean, us down there on the field, we all looked at each other and we said, Caden Green looks good. I mean, you could you could tell the way that he was playing. He was hungry. He wanted to be out there. Um, and him and Troy Everett, honestly, when Everett was playing center and Caden Green was playing left guard, they looked really good next to each other. Uh, that's a duo that OU has going forward, you know, maybe after this season. That, that There's a lot of promise there with those two young offensive linemen. We, okay, so we talked about a young uh, freshman quarterback. We talked about a freshman offensive lineman. Let's talk about some freshmen on defense. Peyton Bowen gets his first start, and P.J. Adebore gets, a, gets more snaps than he got last week, which yeah. was more than he got the first week. Uh, they brought him out for interviews, brought him out for post-game interviews, which you can find at allsooners.com. We've got three or four minutes with P.J. Uh, P.J. stats, one quarterback sack. I said one quarterback sack. That matches the season total for the entire team through the first two games. Two and a half tackles for loss. That young man, huh. <laughs> he provides an impact when he's on the field. The, the, the I, I'm sorry, Ryan. I'll let you talk after no, this. Go for it. But the, the one thing I wanted to make that I noticed, Cardo Williams down on the field again. Yes, on the field. Cardo Williams was kind of scrambling away from all the OU defenders whenever they put pressure on him. They did uh, as the, as we've seen with the past two quarterbacks. OU did a good job of putting pressure on him. It's hard for them to actually get home to him. Uh, he was running around again. Cardo Williams is a really mobile quarterback. As soon as PJ got in the game, and as soon as PJ got past the offensive line and had a shot at Williams, Cardell Williams had no shot at escaping PJ Adebowale like he did from escaping some of these, every one yeah. of the other Oklahoma defensive linemen, whether it was <laughs> Isaiah Cole. He swooped on him like Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, it was. Like it was out of the sky. He, he, like, where did he come from? Cardell Williams that's had PJ. no chance at escaping that play. And that's the length, that's the size, the strength. I mean, Ethan Downs it has been great this season, but Ethan Downs would not have been been able to make the exact same play because he doesn't have the same length, he doesn't have the same quickness that PJ does out of coming out of that uh, off of beating the offensive lineman. I mean, we saw that today. Ethan Downs was chasing Cardell Williams around in the backfield. As soon as PJ got in the backfield, Cardell Williams was on the ground. Yeah, let's just analyze it like sports science for a second. Ethan Downs takes, or or uh, R. Mason Thomas, or Reggie Grimes, or whoever takes four steps. Measure how far they've gone in four steps. Now do it with P.J. Adebore. Measure his four steps and look how far he's gone. He's a lot longer. He's and he's got those longer arms. That's he's just his, his arms from being down there on the field. His arms are insanely long. Yeah. It is. It's he's noticeable. Got like a seven foot four inch the, wingspan. The description yeah. I always have of P.J. is if Thunder General Manager Sam Presti could build a <laughs> defensive end. Yep. Yeah. It would be Adebore because if you followed the Thunder long enough. Like, they want wingspan way longer than your actual height. That's what PJ brings yes. to the table. Guys, I didn't notice this until just now. I'm looking at the, ga the official game book. 15 tackles for loss. Tied there, uh, or the last time they had that many was against Baylor the Big 12 Championship game. Wow. Wow. See, that's, a, uh, that's what Ted Roof wants. That's what Brent Venables wants is disruption. The offense to turn around and get up and try to go back to the huddle and say, what the hell are we supposed to do? We're, you know, second and 12. Now it's third and 15. You know, that, that's what the coaches are shooting for. Not, you know, grab a guy and stand here and read and lean on him and hope he runs into you so you can tackle him for a one-yard game. That's what we saw the first two games. Not a lot of that. I know we're talking game plans and strategies and X's and O's and all that. But you saw guys today intentionally play violent. I didn't see that the first two games. Yeah. Three, not from the front. Three sacks in total. 
I still think, I, I don't know if I'm worried about the Oklahoma pass rush or I just think it's incomplete. I think their two most gifted pass rushers are probably gonna end up being by Texas, R. Mason Thomas and P.J. Adebore. We haven't seen a whole lot of those guys and R. Mason Thomas was held out of the first game. They sure haven't gotten their, the amount of snaps I think they'll play against Texas. Uh, the good sign today is that as the game went on and as Tulsa got worn down, Oklahoma was still able to platoon those guys, and I think they got more and more effective. I think you're looking at a group that may not put up gaudy numbers through the first three quarters. I think this Oklahoma pass rush against everyone except maybe Texas on their schedule is going to be able to close games, though. Cincinnati's offensive line, not good. Iowa State just got beat by Ohio. Miami. Miami, Ohio? No, Cincinnati, no, Cincinnati got Cincinnati beat by Miami, Miami Ohio. Ohio. Iowa, Iowa State, State lost to actual Ohio. the Bobcats. The Bobcats, yeah. <laughs> Shout out Norman North. Uh, pipeline there at one point. And uh, so until Texas, like, I think that Oklahoma's going to be able, in the last 20 minutes of a game as they're closing the third quarter and starting the fourth, between Bothroyd, Trace Ford, who snuffed out a screen and almost had a pick six <laughs> yeah. today, Ethan Downs holding up in the run game, Marcus Stripling's been playing really good snaps early in games, R. Mason Thomas, P.J. Debore. I think that Oklahoma, via platoon, is going to be able to close out some of these games that are going to be a little bit closer. By the way, Peyton Bowen, I mentioned him earlier, team high, two passes broken up today. Team high, two dropped interceptions because everybody else caught theirs. That's well. true. That's true. That's that's a positive and a negative. We kid. We kid. So two things. Uh, responding to what both of y'all were saying, you know, you were talking about the pass rush, and and I wanted to mention a defensive lineman who I I don't think he's been making as deep of an impact on the pass rush, but I think from what I've seen, Jonah Laulu has been an outstanding run defender. I mean, when he's down there in the trenches, he hits people hard. I mean, these he's not he's and not it pushes someone, them down. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. He's he's not someone that's easily moved around when he's playing down there on the interior, and I thought that he's been really good. I thought he was good today in run defense. I thought he has been all season. And Peyton Bowen, the, one of those pass breakups was on third and goal yeah. uh, that you mentioned uh, in the the first drive of the second half, I think, Tulsa's first drive of the second half with Cardell Williams, the one where their drive stalled um, and they had to kick a field goal that we talked about earlier. The final play on third down, Cardell Williams rolls out a play that had been working for Tulsa up to that point on that drive and the previous drives. Peyton Bowen's right there, and like Hoof said, should have been an interception right off of his hands. He yep. made he made the great play. I mean, he was he he read the mm -hmm. pass just like a receiver and was in better position than the receiver to make I'll, a play. I'll repeat what everybody said about him. Football's easy for him. Yeah, it that's is. what it looks like. Yeah, and just look at his reaction about those pass breakups. Peyton Bowen, if he were sitting here right now, would tell you, yeah, I probably should have two interceptions. We talked to him after the SMU game. He helped force the fumble. Him and Kenai Walker comboed for that against Arkansas State. Obviously blocked the punt against SMU. He had told us he wants the pick against Tulsa. He was in a great spot twice. Great work breaking on the ball. And I thought really great work by Talk about the five interceptions. Let's go back through them. Ginger Williams. Just going to do that. How many times have we seen a ball get overthrown like that and the Oklahoma defensive back is not looking at the ball <laughs> and it just lands yep. five feet away from him? Yep. Didn't happen today. I thought Kendall Dolby, while the ball was underthrown, the receiver was still on his back, was able to uh, finish through some contact. There's a great photo. Up We've used a bunch at AllSeniors.com already. Just go look at it. It's really nice. Also read the story, Tim. Great story, but good photo. Uh, Danny Stutzman, linebacker, tips it to himself, yep. gets off, takes off running. Key Lawrence, another airmail, but because he was looking at the quarterback yeah. and trying to find the football, he got it. And then Trace Ford, we talked about the screen. All five of those are plays that 
are not givens over the last five or six years because yeah. the corners aren't turning their heads around. The safeties aren't turning their right. heads around. That's right. Yeah. Uh, let's talk Stutzman real quick. I think we can wrap up with this. I got a great video of his pick six, by the way. Check out the, the highlight video. Yes. He's down there on the field, mm -hmm. shooting from the sidelines, from the end zones. That's right. Yeah, you can, you can right. see his military, or military, martial arts celebration in the, in the video. So definitely, definitely check that out. Check that out. What do you think? Play of the day? I chose it as the play of the day because we had a great photo of it. Uh, I think Nathan Fish from the Oklahoman was shooting today, and we use their photos, uh, USA Today Network. So that's the one I picked for the actual game story was Danny Stutzman, play of the day. Uh, he also had nine tackles, yeah. tackle for loss. Uh, no, sorry, two tackles for loss, 30-yard interception return for a touchdown. I mean, National Player of the Week last week, National Player of the Week this week? No, probably not, but still, he makes a good, makes a good argument for it. I, I think one thing that every time I watch Danny Stutzman play this season, my thought process, my thinking is his draft stock is just shooting yeah. up because he is fast. He can this season he's been great in coverage. I mean he's flying around the the field and just laying the wood on people. I mean in run defense he will fly downhill and kill someone in run defense. I mean he is not afraid to lay the wood on guys. And then when he's dropping back in pass coverage, he's getting his hands out, uh, making interceptions like he did today. I mean he he's been honestly. Through, two, through three games, I think he's been the best player on the team. I think that's exactly right. Because the wide receivers are all really good, but not all the time. He's right. good, really good all the time. Yeah. It's Stutzman v. Gabriel <coughs> for me for best player yeah. in yep. the first three games. I and agree. that's what you want, right? Yep. I, this is not a shot at anybody, but you want your vocal leaders and your captains to also be the best players on your team. Yes. It hits a little different when that's the case. and. Dylan Gabriel's been the best offensive player, and I don't think it's been particularly close. Right. Danny Sutzman's been the best offensive player. It might be a little bit closer because you got so many people making plays, but the other important thing, we talked about this a ton and hammered it a ton in the preseason, a ton of unproven depth for this Oklahoma team. So they needed to take steps forward and they needed to be that sharp immediately so they could separate in some of these non-conference games and get those guys in. They've done that in two of the three non-conference games, and you saw, because they had depth, they were able to close against SMU. They also aren't having to log a ton of second half snaps on Danny Stutzman in either the first or third game of the year. That's a guy that's gonna be that athletic, looks faster. I totally agree with you, Randall. Yeah. And that's a guy that hopefully from an Oklahoma perspective, if he stays healthy, should be a lot fresher to finish off these fourth quarters because Oklahoma's gonna start having to play some real games. Yeah. I know the Big 12, two to the three weeks, it's not looked pretty, right. but this, this Oklahoma team's not perfect. That's Texas right. is coming. We'll find out about the offensive line next week. We'll find out about the pass rush in a couple of weeks. Texas looks good. Let down spot against Wyoming. It's college football. I'm not going to hold that against a bunch of 18 to 22-year-olds after you just went in and controlled a game in Alabama. That, that's just what the sport is. You know, the best way I can describe Stutzman, they say are you processing the game faster? Mm. As the more, the more you play, the more you play, the faster you process it. Yeah. I don't think he's processing the game anymore. I think he's reading and reacting, yeah. and I think he's having fun playing football. That's as simple as you can say it. He's playing football. It's at an extremely high him. level. It's he recognizes stuff instantaneously and knows where to go. And he's not perfect. He missed a tackle today that was, you know, glaringly obvious, but yeah, for the most part he's been fantastic. Anything else we need to get to? Jaron Connect forced a fumble today on a sack. That was a that was a pretty nice play. Was able to uh, uh, I still didn't even see that play. <laughs> he, he it was it was down um, fourth quarter? I think it was in the fourth. It was definitely second half late in the game. Uh, they were they were near the goal line, and uh, I think it was a third down play anyway. He gets back in the backfield, sacks Cardell Williams, and I think uh, I think Cardell maybe was just holding the ball with one arm, and um, mm -hmm. 
and Kinect was maybe able to trap his arm against his body, knock the ball out. Um, but it, it was a nice play. Again, he's a mobile quarterback, so hard to bring down. So getting there, knocking the ball out. Good play by Kinect. Kinect. Um Truth is, Ryan and I, we don't have much time to actually watch the football games that we cover, right? We're posting yeah, constantly throughout them. If you're on the live blog, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, get into that live blog, allsooners.com. And also, um, barring just a Wi-Fi meltdown within five minutes of the game being over, <laughs> whose game story is out, my three quick observations are out. That's why yeah. they're quick observations. Uh, I think the only other cleanup, maybe, not even cleanup, uh, two things Brent Venables nailed down on and, and Ted Roof talked about in the post game. Uh, Randall touched on one of those, the run fits, that yeah. he, that was the first thing Brent Venables like, can get better. He's like, I got this big list. Run fits was one of them. Uh, that will be tested a little bit with Emory Jones. Emory Jones is athletic enough to get out and run. He doesn't always do it, though. He wants to win from the pocket. Uh, he cost them in the overtime. He threw the interception. He probably could have walked in for a touchdown. The other, Brent Venables talked about the third down defense. I think the third down defense on three drives, Tulsa's three scoring drives is probably not great. Tulsa ended, what, eight for 19 or nine for 18, one of the two. Almost fine overall, but those were the two things that Brent Venables nailed down on, so I'm sure that'll be a big talking point on Tuesday when he talks. I think that the, a lot of that third down struggles, I think we saw a lot of that when Cardell Williams came in the game, and the Sooners weren't necessarily, oh, I don't want to say they weren't prepared, but hit, when, hit, it was an adjustment yeah, from what, the right, from what yeah. Roman Fuller was, His which mobility, was a yeah. statue who was right. willing to give the ball to anyone and everyone, preferably wearing <laughs> white and red. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Cardell Williams changed the game. Oklahoma changed it back. Yep. It's 28 nothing. 35-14. 17. 35-17. 38-17. 38-17. An important thing to know. It never stopped. I know that this game was pretty out of hand for most of it, but the Dilly Gabriel interception, yeah. if Williams had come back down and Tulsa had scored, the game was not going to be in danger, but Tulsa was going to be able to hang around that mm -hmm. two to three score where yeah, another yeah. bad play might have put some pressure on. Oklahoma's defense immediately forced a three and out, yeah. and then the offense shot right back down the field. Game was over, mm -hmm. and I don't think Tulsa quit today. Credit to Tulsa. I didn't ever see a moment where they were just like, ah. But you could tell the bilingual on the sideline was there was no rallying the troops to try and tell themselves that they're going to get back in it, which uh, Oklahoma, basically what I'm trying to say is they had one bad play yeah. and immediately responded and yeah. put their foot on the throat. And that's mm -hmm. what Bert Venable said he wanted when he was that's hired. Right. And the defense had a series, three bad series, and they immediately finished up the game stronger than ever. Yep. Uh, so great game. Sooners are 3-0. and They went through non-conference play like a sieve. Uh, impressive performance there by OU. Next week, guys, we're going to be in Cincinnati. We're going to be doing this bad boy from Cincinnati. We're going to be getting some Skyline Chili. We're going to be eating at some Pompilios. My I've, first true road game. His first true road game. It's his first trip to Tulsa, he said. First He's time? never been to Tulsa. Not the University of Tulsa. The city. The city of Tulsa. So we're breaking him in. We're first, breaking him in. First road game. Crazy. Crazy. Who knew? Hey, listen, we appreciate you guys uh, listening to the All Sooners podcast and watching on my YouTube channel, John Hoover Media. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with all the Monday and Tuesday interviews, reaction, and all that good stuff from uh, players and coaches and Brent Venables. You can find that, that uh, podcast on Spotify, Google, iHeart, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. If you have an Amazon-enabled device, just say, Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. I think that's it, isn't it? Oh, YouTube channel, John Hoover Media. What else, boys? Sign Go to com. Just allsooners.com. All it's got it all. Just do the thing. For Ryan Chapman, for Randall Sweet, I'm John Hoover. See you guys. <laughs>